Oh, what's up? It's your boys, Jordan and Abraham, once again. He's a professional runner, so he's your fast friend. And I'm an MD, PhD student, so I'm your smart friend. But most importantly, we are your friends who read One Piece. Yes, sir. And finally, we got a chapter after like three weeks. I'm just happy that we actually got to read some One Piece this week because it's been a while. Wait, 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 wait. Well, go. The announcement, man. You got to be like Jordan. You got a special announcement for everybody. Oh, you know, I forgot. I forgot because you didn't <laughs> tell me until the last second. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> what's, what's the special announcement, Jordan? <laughs> All right, man. Our special announcement, man. We got to 100. Now we're 103, actually. Listeners, downloads, whatever you want to call it for the podcast. We just got over 100 downloads so thank you for actually listening to this we appreciate you like we know our friend becky our friend joaquin listens to it our friend josh listens shout out to all of them but you know at this point there's people who we don't even know who must be listening to it i know 100 is not that much but our last uh our best backstories episode 17 listens that's more people than we told about it as far as i know is that right abraham yep Yep. So we appreciate everyone coming in, actually listening to this. We're just off here goofing off, talking about One Piece, talking about life. And we get, tell your friends, because if we get to a thousand listeners, a thousand, a thousand downloads, we will get actual microphones (laughs) to make this legit. (laughs) Microphones, and we will start having guests on the show. Guests that we feel will just increase your enjoyment of the content we put out. So if you, if you want to hear some of these people like our friend Josh, who is going to talk about how me and him are, you know, sometimes on the same way, like our friend Duncan, who does a whole One Piece power ranking list, who can sit Abraham down about some of these silly F class theories he comes bringing in about the moon. What? Keep on. What listening. does that Keep have to do with power scaling? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I like just, I just... those are two unrelated things. <laughs> That's true, man. But, you know, I, Duncan, he, he, me and him are on the same page, so I just had to put that up. But thank you, everyone, for, for shouting us out and actually listening to this. We don't know who I 17 really other listeners it. are, but we appreciate it. Yeah. Look, 100 listeners, I feel like, doesn't seem like much to a lot of people, but it means something to me. It means that people are actually sitting down and listening to the stuff we say, which, mean, yeah, it's meaningful. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And if we get to 500, because Abraham's doing this show on his belly on the couch right now, then Abraham going to sit up straight like my grandma would have told him when we do the podcast. (laughs) Now start the show. (laughs) Oh, here it goes. (laughs) Oh, man. You just can't let me be comfortable, can you? You just want me to be uncomfortable. (laughs) I do, man. I do. You know who might be uncomfortable right now? Same yeah, Jay Garcia Saturn boy. Yeah, yeah, he has. He's been taking some licks, but he's he's he gets up each time, and he it's almost like Marco in terms of regeneration. He just it's it's not even so much that he can just soak up a bunch of hits and not take damage, but it seems like he can just take a crazy amount of damage and just recover from it. So. I feel like he actually might honestly not even be pressed about the licks that he's taken so far. Listen, man, on this page, when you see his, right before he regrows his limbs, he might not be super, you, I don't know if he's pressed or not, but I know that his face does not look like he's happy that he just got punched that way. <laughs> he doesn't look like he's like, he doesn't look like he's enjoying himself after getting smashed through like four buildings by, I guess we could say a former slave of the world nobles yeah no i mean to be fair who would that's that that punch might be i don't want to say the most be the most iconic punch in all of like manga history because that's a big toll but it's definitely the most iconic punch in the series i think it's going to end up being the most iconic punch in the series oh come More on than, man <laughs> I, I i okay just how it was written okay you know what? I'm I'm sorry. Luffy Luffy punching the tin. Come on, thank you. <laughs> you know what? I have to take I'll walk it back. I'll walk it back. Luffy punching Luffy punching Rob Lucci. Mm, you mean the, the Jet Gatling? You think that's more the Jet you, Gatling? 
Yeah. You don't think there's gonna be more iconic? That, that's 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 already one of the most iconic fights in one. But that's piece. not. I'm I'm talking about like a one like Luffy punching Bellamy is like I'm talking about one punch. Right, so Luffy I, punching I, I Bellamy. Thank you. That's that's another really great one. I I but I don't include the the Jet Gatling in that, for example. But okay, so Luffy punching Bellamy. You see, I feel like you're just doing this is just main character syndrome. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Luffy punching a celestial dragon in Sabaori. I, I agree. I agree. Luffy punching Kaido. Which one? The end? The, the end the that end. everyone the end, disliked? The... Listen, <laughs> I'm I'm not telling you that I loved the arc. I was not crazy about the arc. But it's still, when you talk about what's iconic, we're talking about sort of Luffy's final form, final transformation in this moment where he bashes Kaido literally into the bottom of a volcano. You don't think that's going to, at least when the series ends, be somewhat iconic? Not for me. Oh, well. No, no, I don't think so. I I, I refuse. Because, look, what about, did, did, what I, about? I, remember, I remember Oda tweeting, tweeting, you know, it's challenging to write an ending to this Luffy-Kaido fight. This is years before the fight even started because the fans aren't going to find it very satisfying if it just ends with one big punch. And then that's all we fucking got, <laughs> just one big punch. <laughs> like, so I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not, that's not an iconic moment in the series for me. Your fifth was an iconic moment in the series for me, but not not the Bajoran gut. What about the gum gum... Kong gun against Doflamingo. Uh, I don't put it as high as as like the Bellamy punch, the Kuma punch. Like, I don't put I don't put it on that level. I'm gonna tell you one punch that's definitely more iconic. Okay, Akainu. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> straight through his chest. <laughs> Yeah, you I was thinking about that. You said I have main character syndrome now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All I gotta say is, if you can burn fire, you're just built different. <laughs> you're built different. So we got a lot. We got a lot of iconic punches in this series, and that's a testament to how great One Piece has been for such a long time. But it is a really awesome moment, and I gotta say, I'm looking at it right now outside of my screen. The the panel of Kuma with his full teeth and face after what we've just learned about him you can kind of see the ferocity of all of the weight of all of his emotions behind that punch you know i'm getting chills just looking at it talking about it so i do have to give you you get in hyperbole a little bit here but that's a really iconic punch it's, it's, it's an incredible moment and it's, it's going to be a really cool moment for the absolutely. series absolutely absolutely it's it's it was phenomenal and I want to pat myself on the back a little bit, you know. Uh, yeah. We talk. We we wouldn't. We 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 talk about the things that happened this chapter. We made a handful of predictions last week. I just want to point out that after I gave my predictions last week, Jordan said, and I quote, "I re-listened to last you week's quote, episode." You re-listened to it like <laughs> an, an hour ago, just just so I can remember what you said in response to my prediction. And Jordan said, and I quote, "That's an F class theory." <laughs> that's what, an F-class what, theory and something to akin to why did you waste my time with this what was this prediction what was this alleged prediction that I that my I prediction was so that obviously Kuma was going to get his lick in and then Saturn, I, I said Saturn was going to be beating up on him and then the, the Straw Hats would jump manage to jump in and save him this chapter basically keep uh um Saturn from landing the finishing blow which is essentially what happened that's essentially the entire chapter. I don't even remember that theory. <laughs> you got to go back, go back and listen I do need to, go back to and last listen week's to record. It. The nice thing about doing a podcast is that we have records of everything that's being said. Listen, man, and it's Kuma <laughs> was protecting Bonnie. It's not like he really needed the straw has to come in and save him in that way. He's over here holding on to Bonnie. It's not like he can't move it's not like he's just frozen Bro. but he's out here having a moment with his daughter that's very sweet for it to be something okay. where kuma comes in and is getting worked by saturn he was not getting worked by saturn and i think that's a key part of the difference and what i didn't like is that he'd be getting worked by saturn 
I just I I'm glad you can just it's okay. It's oh it's okay to say Abraham that was a good prediction. I'm impressed. You know, you can walk back. You you, you, you don't need <laughs> when when you're given new information, you don't you can walk back previous stakes. I'm not going to think up less of you for it. This, you you heard me in an earlier episode, one of the first episodes we did. I told I said when I was wrong about something. I said when I was wrong. But the idea that the straw hats are going to come in and be involved I don't have a problem with that. The idea that his Kuma comes in and punches him and is not and, and is just gonna get worked by him and need to be desperately saved, I can't get behind that. That's not how I felt like this was written. Yeah, but it was that, written that in- is, uh, you know what? That that regardless, the, the chapter is the chapter. You can <laughs> what happened is what happened. I I loved the chapter. I thought it was it was it didn't live up to a, some of the previous chapters that we had gotten in the arc. It in terms of either lore or action um but it was a nice it was it, it felt like a, a a nice chapter to kind of build up to more things especially given that we don't have a break next week i'm pretty excited to mm-hmm. see what actually comes of it but even yeah. with the idea that it's not a good lore chapter you know i think there's still some hints as to different things for example Vegapunk hinting for the first time at what might the Buccaneers' special ability be. Maybe it's not necessarily a strong body, but it's something else. And I don't know exactly what that thing might be. Yeah. I feel like the suggestion is almost like something related to, I don't want to say hockey, but like willpower, right? Because his point in the chapter was that Kuma Kuma should essentially be a vegetable. That he shouldn't have any ability to act on any instincts or will. Yet he still managed to find his way to his daughter somehow and do what he wanted, right? I feel like in in some way that is a reflection of how strong his willpower is. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because somewhere in my notes that are way too messy for me to even actually understand what's going on in them... I have written down whether or not this power has something to do with what the nature of hockey is, because it seems like there's some sort of, we understand what Vegapunk has given us this arc is that there's something about the nature of people's dreams that can be manifest into real energy. And knowing that there's no reason to think that, for example, love, right? When Vegapunk says, if I, as a romantic, maybe you could just say it's the power of love. There's no reason to think that other emotions such as willpower. Right? Hockey is an example of a manifestation of willpower on people's bodies and outside of it. And I think there's a real possibility for understanding, hey, could there be a manifestation of these other types of things that has to do with why hockey exists, why hockey is the power system mm-hmm. for this world, and what other things can be manifested that perhaps the Buccaneers have a strong ability to. And one thing we've seen with Kuma and his dad is they're both very loving dudes. You can really see the power of love being something that's involved with this. Yeah, no. Um, it's it's it it is interesting to see what might come from this. I I don't know if I have enough from the series to have any. I guess built up thoughts, but I I agree that. It seems like this is like the series is starting to delve, maybe flesh out hockey, like the hockey system and the foundation of it a little bit more. Quick question for you. Go for it. Last chapter, we were both on the same page where we both thought that Kizaru was the one that gave Luffy the food Mm. in the chapter. This chapter, it feels like everyone has kind of flipped on that based off of how Kizaru has been acting. What do you think? I mean, I definitely got a flip on it too. And basically all of our friends were flipping on it as well. We were all like, man, that's that's wrong. The thing is, there doesn't really seem to be a great answer for it, especially considering Luffy basically disappeared from the area that he was in. Kizaru seems to clearly be saying, hey, I might cry while I'm doing this, but I'm still going to do it because it's my job. Not to mention people might have still noticed Kizaru doing it because while he moves at quote-unquote light speed or whatever, we normally still see him using his powers. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the, the secret MVP that everyone's bringing up that seems to be the only one that we might have any explanation for is Caribou. If a dude can bring a dude through a swamp, if he can turn some stuff in the swamp, and mo- yeah. it's not impossible to think that he might have stored Luffy somewhere within inside him. My thing is why? What, like, at this point in the series, we all, maybe I shouldn't say we all, but I think both of us believe that the man that Caribou is working for is Blackbeard. For a while, people thought it could be Kaido, but I think a lot I of really people... I really don't know. I'm, I'm not all in on that. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm someone who's like, I don't think we necessarily know who that person is, but go on. Okay. Okay. Um, I think regardless, though, that he's not an ally of the Straw Hat Pirates, right? I don't, I don't think any... Like, he's basically their prisoner. I don't see what he would... I, so I don't think he would do anything that was not for personal gain, and I don't right. know what he has to do, what he has to gain from bringing Luffy food and hiding Luffy and doing all this, right? Well, so let, I, let, let me yeah. put it to you this way, because I think didn't you in another when we were talking about the p- potential of Kizaru switching sides, which you were you were good with that, right? Akainu, you weren't yeah. like it, but Kizaru, yeah, you yeah. were like. Bro, when you see this dude turn into a giant demon spider, maybe you think <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying, Caribou's on this island. They're about to buster call this island. They got government ships getting here ready to raise this island to the ground. R-A-Z-E. I'm just saying, Caribou might be saying, hey, I might be kind of self-interested, but, but, but I'm trying to get out of here right now. <laughs> this dude just turned into a demon spider. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. The, the, you know, does that, does that, how thing, does that feel? You know, how does that feel? That that's that's actually reasonable. I would accept I would accept that as an explanation. I guess my follow-up question would be why did he bring Luffy food and then disappear Luffy? You know, it feels like if it had been caribou that it would just be like, oh, Luffy's gone, right? <laughs> like, I, I just maybe, maybe Oda just wanted to point out that something is happening to Luffy in both chapters, and that's why he went food and then disappeared. But maybe he was trying to feed him. Maybe he wanted to help him get his strength. Maybe it was easier for him to sneak the food to him before he actually took him somewhere else. It's all a good question. I don't really know. And maybe Luffy just yeah. got the food and got energy and ran away and no one noticed because there's a giant demon spider in front of everyone and not <laughs> keeping everyone distracted. <laughs> I don't yeah. exactly know. But I think it's yeah. not unreasonable to think that there's explanations like that for why yeah, Caribou yeah. might have done I, that. I think, I think the explanation you gave, gave is a reasonable explanation. I still kind of feel like it could be Kizaru. Like you said, in this chapter, yeah. it's not... It's not like he is acting with complete conviction, right? He's right doing things somewhat reluctantly, and it could just be something along the lines of, I'm okay. I think there, there might be some cognitive dissonance, right? Where he's just like, I'm not going to outwardly attack Saturn and you know, outwardly rebel against the world government, but I'm going to do these little things here and there to kind of help my friends escape this situation. So I could I could still see it being Kizaru at, at the at the end of the day. That's true. And then he's destined for a sad end at the end of this chapter, if that ends up being the case. I'll say that because I think there's no way he ends up he's basically gonna have to turn himself into a martyr if he really wants to go against the world government in this situation. Although it's difficult for me to believe too that Saturn would really He's not someone in my mind who Saturn would just completely not notice. Caribou is kind of like an ant to him. Mm-hmm. Kizaru, I don't think, fulfills that same sort of role. Yeah, but I mean, he also doesn't think of Kizaru as an enemy, right? So are you like paying attention to your allies in the same way, right? It's a good question. I don't know. I really don't know if it's Caribou because we have we barely even seen him, and I forgot he was in this arc until everyone told me he yeah. might be the one who moved Luffy. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to I want this also, out. also the whole Caribou th- stuff. All it does is keep on reminding me that the Blackbeard pirates are in this arc, and we keep. I don't know if you remember, like maybe like fifteen chapters back or whatever, mm. there was a small ship with the Blackbeard, 
uh, Jolly Roger that was seen like right by Egghead Island. We know that there's a couple Blackbeard pirates that are on their way and that are certainly that are going to be a part of the arc. I'm wondering how they're going to interact uh, and affect the events that are that are happening right now, especially if it's someone like Lafitte or Katarina Devon, because I remember watching, um, I think based off of who we know is on Hachinosu during like Garp's raid and who we know is on uh, Laws Island. The two Blackbeard Bro. pirates that were unaccounted for were Lafitte and Katarina Devon, and both of them are experts at infiltrating. Right, we've seen Lafitte break into Mary Joas, and Katarina has the 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 QB devil fruit, right? Bro, you're, so. you're gonna hate me for how excited I'm getting about this theory, but <laughs> I know that I'm still so like I'm still into the Blackbeard is a buccaneer theory, and we know he has a weird body. Like that is one of uh-huh. the main things about Blackbeard's about Blackbeard's character. Yeah. If he is a buccaneer, especially as someone who we know knows more about the lore of the world, we know more lore of the world is going to be revealed over the course of this arc. Yeah. Could the thing that the buccaneer special characteristic that is the buccaneer special characteristic help us be something that understands why Blackbeard has a weird body. I mean, maybe, right? We know. I'm. I'm personally. I've. I've said I'm not on board with Blackbeard being a buccaneer because. But the, if the, he was, this would be a pretty cool thing. This arc. This would be a pretty. It, it would be. be a pretty cool thing. This arc. It would be. Um. No one has comment like. I guess we we've never seen Kuma try to eat like a second devil fruit or anything like that, right? But. No, no one has commented about someone like Kuma's body in the same way that they, no, they no do. No one comments about... about Kuma's body. We don't, we don't know anything about the dude besides right, knowing that he's right. super strong. Like we've, we've had a lot more content over the course of all these years about Blackbeard and a lot more hints about who he is. We followed his yeah. journey more until these last few chapters. Kuma's just been a complete yeah. anomaly. The <laughs> idea that, I don't... yeah, the idea I, I... that whatever he has going on, it could be something about. It could be something about their mind. It could be something about a level of connectedness that they have with other people. That's something I think will be interesting is something about Buccaneers mm-hmm. being, I don't know, sort of like interconnected with each other in some kind of meaningful way, oh. which is corny, but like whatever. Yeah, no. I only thought of this as we were talking, so I don't have a fully fleshed out theory, but I yeah, think yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. that whatever whatever is strange with Blackbeard, particularly for a character like him, would be really interesting if that was, if learning more about the Buccaneers helps explain that. Yeah, I I, I still think narratively it doesn't make sense for me that Blackbeard would be a Buccaneer, but I do like the connection in terms of the unique bodies. The That that I I, I think is a point in your favor. I'm more like, we have... We have presumably the 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 two Blackbeard pirates that are coming to the island that are expert, like at like stealth operative missions. And I'm trying to think about how and unless Oda's just gonna forget about them, which I don't expect him to do because he's such a great writer. They're they're clearly gonna have some impact on the storyline that's to come. I was wondering if you had if 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 you've thought about this at all. Um, to me. The Blackbeard Pirates don't do anything if it's, like, without being opportunistic. So it almost feels like maybe they might try and steal, like, some Poneglyph rubbings from the Straw Hats while, you know, the ship is 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 not being guarded or something like that. But I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. And to be fair, I'm going to be honest, I forgot, completely forgot they were coming. So it's off the cuff. Yeah. But <laughs> I think the idea that, look, this is an arc where, again, lore of the world is something that's incredibly important to this arc we've seen things about giant robots we could see the giant robot get reactivated by them we could see them steal something about the history of the world i think the idea that they might find a world secret and actually reveal that publicly to the world would be the kind of thing that would truly be a great crime and that's something that beyond just as you know you know i don't really think just beating saturn is enough for this to become you know the egghead island incident is the biggest thing in the world uh 
<laughs> I think I, I don't get that. You know, I, I still don't understand. No, man, I don't understand how taking down a Gorose is not a bit is not a massive deal. Listen, I know that my dismissiveness towards everything I disagree with will bite me in the butt if I end up being wrong. But no, man, come on, man. It's not gonna be that. It's gotta be more than that. Come on now. <laughs> the, the to me the idea that they could discover something about the world that the elder stars that vegapunk has hidden around the elder stars don't want getting out whether it is the secret of the buccaneers and what makes them so special i think those sorts of things would be if that got publicly revealed and that's something the blackbeard pirates would be have interest in doing as they get ready in their fight against the world government and world nobles i think that's something that could be really exciting for the rest of the story Okay, real quick before we move on to S class and F class, I want to ask for your uh eleven hundred and five prediction, and then just give me like oh, one or man, two man, like one quick prediction. You forgetting you forgetting the new things that we add in, man. You forgetting. The... Oh my bad, my bad. Yeah, that's my bad. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. Give I'll me your award. I I want to do a couple couple quick couple quick notes things. Kuma, well, you know, I actually I'll introduce the new segment first. It's the yeah. uh. We got a new segment called Awards Show. It's going to be very brief. It's going to be Abraham and I are going to give our funny awards for things that happen in this chapter. It could be an MVP. It could be a least valuable player, the worst, worst, the world's worst. But I promise you, it could also be something crazy and funny. If you have one in mind, I'll let you go first because I promise you that the one I have is not going to be is not going to be something that you guess. Lead us off. Lead us off. All right. Well, you know what? I just I decided to combine two that I was thinking of. We have okay. the cutest moment award goes okay. to Kuma holding Bonnie and Bonnie with those cute little baby eyes. She goes back into her actual 12 year old form after she's crying. She looks yeah. up. She's like, I know you sent me all these letters that made me so happy. Mommy seemed like an amazing woman and also maybe seems similar to Straw Hat Luffy, the other pirate that I've spent a lot of time with. It was a really incredibly beautiful scene. And I got a, I got a, I got an award that I'm going to give with it, which is most questionable moment, which is in the next panel, you got Bonnie still wearing the same outfit that she's been wearing, even though she's been looking like... It's Oda, she's grown, man. You cannot have this woman walking around. She's not grown. She's 12 years old. You cannot have this woman walking, this little girl walking around in these panties. The most questionable award, most questionable moment award goes to Bonnie still wearing this weird, the same old revealing outfit, even though she's 12 years old. I told you these problems were going to happen. The moment... <laughs> the moment we, I was like, <laughs> there's a chance Bonnie's actually just a child that aged herself up. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> I think you're going to I'm not even going to lie and act if you didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> yeah. Zombies. <laughs> and it's sad. Uh, unfortunately, my ended award, up here. My award is also something you're, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you didn't think of it because it's a great award. Okay. My award is the post-traumatic stress disorder, the PTSD award, <laughs> goes to Robin for having to live through three different Buster calls. <laughs> <laughs> that is so traumatic. Yeah. That's, that's my award for the chapter. That's great because no one else has been through two yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the first one, the first, like, the second one was not even that bad, but everyone else just, like, you know, everyone else, like, we got away. Robin was going through her second buster call, like, <laughs> already. Yep. Like, that second one was already too much, and now she got to go through a third buster call? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that is... Yeah. Yeah, that's... That's, that's, that's very... my award for the chapter. That's beautiful. That's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Robin. Good luck, Robin. All right, what's coming up in 11.05? We got that coming out next week. No break. Yep. I've got a big prediction. Mm. Something I've been talking about for a while. As the arc, So the arc feels like it's wrapping up to me. And I think it's time that Luffy makes his comeback next chapter. And, you know, I've been saying for the longest time that it's going to happen by Kuma pushing out his pain from his body. So I think that happens in 11.05. Oh, come on, man. 11.05. <laughs> 
is when I'm calling it. Maybe it happens in 1106 or 1107, but I'm going to say it happens in 1105. Well, we know that's definitely not going to happen, so thank you for that prediction. Uh, <laughs> my prediction is in 1105, we're going to see Kuma start to get some kind of consciousness back. It might not be the whole thing, but I think he's going to maybe get a little bit of personality. We saw Atlas ran off somewhere with him. So I don't know where Atlas is, but I think the idea that they're going to be operating on Kuma, finding a way to whether it's bring back his memory, fix him, whatever is potentially possible. Also, sidebar, I'm curious if we're going to see York again anytime soon. And not to mention, uh, I don't know. I wonder if York thinks a little bit differently. Seeing the Elder Stars are, <laughs> again, you know, I got to give you credit for pointing out that people might think differently when you see someone's a giant demon spider. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It'll change your whole world. It'll change your whole world. Okay. All right. We're on to them S-class. S-class and F-class theories. Yeah. You you want me to lead us off or you want to go first? I would love it if you would lead us off. Okay. So, I think you actually will like this one a lot because okay. the idea is that the egghead incident isn't going to be about Saturn losing or Luffy losing or the government losing. Hmm. The theory is that Morgans is going to leak out photos or videos of what Saturn has done to the world, and people are going to see how ruthless the world government is. I was just talking about how Blackbeard might do that, and I think that would be a really interesting reason for the egghead theory to become, or the egghead incident to become something that really shakes the world. I think that's sort of in line with that. Morgan's is a character we know who's always got his nose in things. Abraham, you came here today with an S-class theory. Cool. I'm glad <laughs> you like it. I thought you would. Yeah. I'm going to go, you know, I have one that I think you're going to like and one I think you're not going to like. So I'm going to go okay. with, you gave me one that I liked. I'm going to start with one that I think you're going to like. Okay. I don't know exactly how, but the idea is that Otohime is related in some way to Imsama and someone that we've seen as a parallel case for someone who's trying to cr- for, for who's trying to shape the world in a different way they're also shaped kind of similarly wait, wait, wait. Otohime is related to Imu and people are saying they're they're like they they look similar to one another like physically their, their shapes are kind of potentially similar in terms of being thin and diminutive, although we obviously have only really seen an outline of him. Uh-huh. But they both are people who have differing visions of the world. Otohime, who's very weak, has one that's really about bringing people together and creating love in the world. And Im, yeah. who is probably very strong, is mm. in the exact same place, but above the world, yeah. while Otohime is below yeah. the world. Yeah. And trying to create something that's the opposite of love. Okay. And and they're they're saying that they're actually like related to each other, like like blood relatives or something like that or no. You know, pr- basically. <laughs> okay. It's a little gonna, hazy. I'm, we can you, Yeah. You I I'll give you some I'll give you some leeway to interpret it. Okay. I'm gonna have to say F class because we oh, know man. we we bro, bro, we know Emu was one of the 20 founding kings, right? We know he's a he's a celestial dragon. And we also know that humans don't even think of fishmen as people like as they think of them as fish. <laughs> so like I just how how are they gonna be related to each other? Right? Like I don't know, man. Otohime got banished by the early people of the world down to below the seafloor because they decided they didn't want, because the world nobles decided they didn't want fishmen to be part of the original founding world government. It's not like fishmen were not here all that time ago. No, but I think everything we've gotten from the 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 twenty kings is that essentially they discriminate against every race. Right. I mean, even humans, they you see Saturn call them insects and like talk about at the end of this chapter about the infestation. But the minks are are discriminated against the the fishmen are um, the Tontada are like every. So I don't think it was like, oh, fishmen weren't discriminated against until Otohime was banished. I feel like these, these guys, these guys felt like that the whole time. What if I said that they knew each other and had. I guess Otohime, what if there's, 
Like how old? Older he may probably not old enough, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, let's pretend that I said something like, "Would you be into the idea of them their ideologies having been part of different lineages that yeah, are at yeah. the very some least some kind of inherited will thing?" Right, exactly. I'd be into that. Yeah, I'd be I'd be into that. Yeah, yeah. And when I say interpret it, when I say interpret it uh, generously, would that be an S class theory? If it's something along those lines. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'll give I'll give that one an S. I'll, I'll if 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 that's how I'm looking at it, I'll give that one an S class theory. All I'm saying is, if that happens, Fishman Island is going to have even more importance. The Fargo Fishman Island going to have even more importance, and we're going to be looking back at Fisher Tiger saying, "Wow, that was an important that was an important backstory." <laughs> Let me just say, one of your favorite characters, Hancock, wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for my guy Fisher Tiger. So <laughs> I don't want to hear any more Fisher Tiger stuff, please. Like all right, <laughs> what you got okay. next? My my my. I only I only have two theories this week. Uh, my second one is about what Blackbeard. I guess how Blackbeard can ex- extract devil fruits from people, whether or not he has Ooh. to kill them. You know, I love these this, theories. This person says that we know he caught Bonnie, uh, a- after Marineford to try and trade her for a ship. Um, and they're basically like, why didn't Blackbeard try and like steal her devil fruit from her? Maybe it was because, you know, she wasn't actually fed a devil fruit. She actually only got like the essence or whatever Saturn said. Right. Um, or uh, maybe it's, it's um, what, what did he say? Yeah. Actually, sorry, I, 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 I miss, I miss explained what, what the point of the theory was. It was, it was more like, why didn't Blackbeard steal Bonnie's devil fruit? Like, um, it's it's not yeah that that that's basically it. It's um is is it just because she didn't eat a devil fruit in the conventional way? Um, is it because he didn't like kill her first? I don't know. <laughs> well, because I don't understand what the theory is, I'm gonna say that's an F class theory. Yeah. If whatever it is, I think I need a little bit more from that theory about why that matters so if you can tell me that he didn't steal her devil fruit because she had an extracted or essence of a devil fruit i can accept that but it's not it cannot be an s-class theory unless you tell me why that's something that's really important for the series now if you want to tell me that that's how she's gonna get the pawpaw fruit not because she's having mm. real devil fruit now that now now we're yeah. getting to something interesting that he couldn't steal a devil that fruit because be you know, the pawpaw but but just the idea that that's why he didn't steal it doesn't get to the point of being like a full interesting theory to me f class theory yeah yeah and to be fair i re- i i pulled up this theory like a week ago and hadn't looked at it since so you know i probably am not remembering it <laughs> so it looks like i'm sure there was other stuff in there but yeah so the next theory i got and this one comes from Uteron, my Japanese guy. And I want to say this theory came out. His videos for each chapter don't come out before Sunday because after the official release and whatever in Japan. His video on this came out the previous week, which is that love is the power that is connected to one piece. And it's the thing that connects us all. And something about the manifestation, whatever the manifestation of love is in the real world, will be the key to the one piece or the one piece itself. Yeah, that's an F class. What <laughs> kind of this is some Harry Potter shit like Yeah, no, I don't like that. Like I I the there's there's very clearly, you know, there's a, a journey that we're on, right? And the one piece, I think Oda has specifically said, like, the one piece is like <coughs> a tangible thing. Like, a, a very it's, real it's not thing. like, a very yeah, real it's not like on. some idea or, yeah, right. So, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what, what could love. Yeah. I, I don't, I guess I don't understand how love connects people and how that relates to the one piece. Like, what? Man, Abraham making the Uso the 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 most Uso dumb face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not your theory, so but you know, it is your boy's theory. <laughs> Here's the thing I think is interesting about this theory. 
because what we just talked about earlier on with this chapter is about manifestations of things like willpower. Hockey is the manifestation of willpower. Uh, Devil of Fruits has to do with the manifestation of people's dreams. And dreams are able to actually create energy for the world. In Japanese, One Piece, the treasure, is also known as like the super secret, like the super duper treasure that connects people. And I think there's something both in seeing these moments where where Vegapunk notices the power of love as far as Kuma being able to have his consciousness. Uh, there are a number of other moments where characters like Sindri with the power of love are able to move despite not necessarily having their soul. And in the beginning of the series, when we say, you know, wealth, power, fame, the man who had everything in his hands was sent, was the pirate king was sentenced to death. But there is something missing, which that's about connecting people, which is what the one piece is about. Now, I don't know exactly. Right. Like, you know, we're not I'm, I'm not someone who's like, you know, I, you know, I hate giant party theories. and I'm not like we're going to show up and it's going to be like we love each other. So it's the one piece. But I think the idea that it could manifest in some meaningful way that's yeah. tangible is kind of yeah. cool and interesting but that's why i said that would be like some harry potter shit right like no, you know, i don't we know get... about harry potter so luffy not harry <laughs> as a baby <laughs> as a baby right when voldemort goes to kill him right the reason why voldemort isn't able to kill him was because his harry's mom sacrifices herself like above his crib and there's like some old world world magic where Essentially, her love protects Voldemort from being able to kill Harry. So then when he goes on to cast the killing curse on Harry, it physically like bounces off of him and uh -huh. hits Voldemort. And he's the one who whoa, dies. Whoa, spoilers, the... spoilers, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, if if you haven't read Harry Potter yet, that's on you. <laughs> I know, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> that's on you. But yeah, that's what that's what I mean, right? Like that's essentially what, what what you said right like love manifesting as a tangible thing and i i remember reading that in harry potter and being like that seems kind of weak to me but whatever you know it's, it's also like a book meant for younger children right like it's not a, a book meant for like adults so yeah like a know. shonen manga <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? What? <laughs> don't disrespect One Piece, Jordan. <laughs> I'm just saying, in a lot of ways, it's similar to Harry Potter, and that it starts out being written for younger children, and those kids yeah. grow up, and it continues to, you know, be a more mature story yeah. as time goes on. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, right? Like what I say, I don't like about that is it's like, dang, like imagine being everybody else's kids that died. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dang your mama did not love you enough <laughs> your mama should have loved you like harry potter's mama yeah i know right <laughs> yeah this theory could use some fleshing out but i personally think it's interesting as we learn a little bit more about um as we learn a little bit more about the about what the manifestation of willpower worlds etc comes up yeah. right. so should we uh should we talk about the world now things to I think we should some interesting things to react should. to i know yep. you are dying to talk about this one because it's your favorite sports personality i'm talking of course about jason whitlock uh and <laughs> i swear to god <laughs> don't you ever say that again <laughs> and he got burned by stephen a smith i'm just gonna go through a couple quotes of what stephen a said um even before the podcast went up Stephen A said, quote, I literally I called my pastor and asked for his forgiveness and understanding in advance because he's not going to recognize the person he's about to hear. He, I did the same when I emailed the bosses at ESPN. He hit them up ahead of time to say it was going to be terrible. He said, I mean it from my soul that, that when I say this is the worst human being I've ever known. I don't know of another human being worse than Jason Whitlock. Uh Pointing out how you were betrayed by this particular writer. So you must know how I felt that you betrayed me. Did you tell the folks that? Now, you know, I don't personally like to swear. He says you. He calls him the B word. Did you tell them? You fat piece of S. So Stephen A went on and he did not mince words. I don't even actually know what prompted this. But Abraham, you know, what did you think when you saw all this? As a Jason Whitlock uh, lover. Okay. Okay. Before, before I go on to Jason Whitlock, right? <laughs> I do want to say, I don't really, I don't really 
vibe with Stephen A that much anyway. I actually find him kind of an annoying person. This is mm. the first time that I was just like happy with something that Stephen A said. Right. right. <laughs> Jason, I think basically Jason Whitlock said in, in Stephen A's autobiography, he was like, I uh the coach at the college that he played for came out and saw him hit like 17 straight threes in um I don't know, some park or some gym or something like that. And on the spot off gave him like a D1 scholarship offer to come right. play b- basketball. I, I think he I he I think he played at Winston State Win, Winston Salem State, but I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um and Whitlock was just like that's cap. And that's what caused Stephen A to blow up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Before I move on to Whitlock, I just want to say if I was Jason Whitlock, the one thing that I would be immediately tweeting and like on repeat would be that video of James Harden walking up to Stephen A. Smith. I don't know if you've seen this I and challenging this. him. He 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 was like, you've been talking too confidently in the media recently <laughs> and told him to start putting up some shots on the court. And Stephen That's A. threw funny. up like five bricks in a row. They were the loudest bricks I've ever heard of. <laughs> So if I was Whitlock's lawyers, that's immediately what I would be putting <laughs> First thing every said, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you like, <laughs> God dang. But no, Whitlock is just a, I'm, he is a horrible person. And he's been this way for years. He's one of, he's, so I wish I actually went down and wrote some of the things that he said over the years because he is, he's one of those, he, first of all, for people who don't know, Jason Whitlock is black and he's frequently brought on to like these conservative talking shows like he's on. He's been on Fox News. He's he, he was employed by Fox Stephen, Stephen is talking about Blaze TV a second ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's frequently brought on to play the role of. Disparaging black people, but it comes from a black voice, so it's almost not like to kind of make it seem like it's not a racist opinion to have, like black people can't also be racist, right? Like he's essentially in my, and this is just my opinion, but he's essentially an uncle ruckus for those of you who've seen Boondocks right, right, before, right, right, right? Right. He said some of the things that and he looked like him that too. I remember him. And he looked like him too. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's built like uncle ruckus. <laughs> he, some of the things he said is, Someone I remember a couple of years ago spray painted the N word on Le- LeBron's house, and LeBron spoke up. He's just like, "Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter how successful you are, how how much money you make, how well how popular you are. At the end of the day, some that's all some people still see about you." He's like, "I'm freaking LeBron James, and that's that's all this person thinks of me." And Jason Whitlock went on TV the next day and he's just like, LeBron doesn't face racism. He's too rich to face racism. Racism is something only poor people face. And it was just like, that, that it was a ridiculous take to have. There was another time when I remember LeVar Ball came on a Colin Coward show. And oh, man. I was going to say there that was the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, first of all, the, so Lavar Lavar comes on the show, right? And I mean, a lot of people probably don't know who Lavar is, but he he's just like the father of some basketball players in the NBA. And he shows up, and he's he's upset at Colin's co-host Christine Leahy because on previous shows she had been talking crazy. She was like, Lavar talks too much. I think um his sons are afraid of him. I don't think he's a good father saying a lot of unprofessional things uh, about about him and his parenting. Um, so he shows up on the show and he's engaging with Colin the whole time. And meanwhile, Christine is like sitting behind him and trying to talk to the back of his head. And he's refusing to turn around and look at her. So she gets in her feelings about that. And at the end of the day, uh, she tries to like turn around and play the victim and the next day, Jason Whitlock is on the sh- on a show with her being like, you know, d- defending Christine Lee and and basically like calling Lavar a thug. And, uh, and, and he he will never miss an opportunity to put down black people and and try and 
protect the white supremacist agenda to some degree. And he's just he's a, he's a despicable person. I have no respect for him. And the the wisest thing that anyone has ever said about Jason Whitlock is when Lavar said, "I don't think he's fit to comment on anything other than eating snacks." <laughs> like, it was even bad. He, he said like, the only thing he he said the only thing he can comment on is snacks. That's what he yeah. said. Yeah. That, that, tell that me was the best. Tell man. me your favorite chocolate bar, and you know that. You know. I, I'll, I'll, I think, I'll listen I to you on that. Dead, Deadspin calls him at some point like a a walking bag of guacamole. <laughs> 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 I mean, look, I in the word, obviously, you know, it kind of sounds like we're just hate. I also hate Jason Willow. I've listened to the herd for for years as well, and when he used to be a regular guest on, I would immediately turn the show off and skip to the next thing. Yep. But I think. Or just put on another podcast. But I think it's it's funny too, right? Like he's had he's had a long ignominious history with a lot of of black people. And when ESPN hired him to run the Undefeated, which was meant to be a which was supposed to be like a black led sort of like version of Grantland, and it basically completely failed in part because most black people don't want to work with Jason Whitlock. I heard had Jamel Hill on. Dan Levitard show the other day talking about how she had in her contract that she was going to not have to work with it. She, she only had to one time work with him to be on a panel. And she made sure John Skipper said that she was never on the same, never on the panel at the same time as him. So, you know, it's a, uh, he is obviously not a good dude, but it was definitely satisfying as someone who's been watching him say really terrible things online for a long time, watching someone in the industry and then other people in the industry, although a little, little bit more professional, you know, Jamel, for example, was a little bit more uh, tight lipped about her experience with him, but it was great to see Stephen A. Blast him. Uh, in the, yeah. in the, in his final words that I'll say, uh, I mean it for quote, quote of Stephen A. Smith. I mean it from my soul. When I say this is the worst human being I've ever known, I don't know of another human being worse than Jason Whitlock. He is a piece of S. He's the dude that's going to have a funeral and ain't going to be no pallbearers. Yeah, <laughs> so that's facts. That, yeah. that, that, that basically sums up how I think a lot of us feel about this dude. And it's good to see someone say it. Yep. So, you know, I, I, I got a funny story for you, ma'am. Okay. You know, it's this came up on my news feed the other day. There's this white high school athlete who just got some some offers to play college football. And his last name has been going viral. It's K-N-I-G-G-A. Now, Abraham, how would you how would you think this is pronounced? <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is, and a lot of these cultures, the K is silent. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like Chuck Knobloch. <laughs> right. Like. Yeah. So th- his last name really might just be nigga. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you taking that whole level, man, bro? Why are you, why are you taking that whole level, man? It's Kanega, bro. Kanega? <laughs> is that Kanega, actually? Bro, it is. No, is I that actually how it's pronounced? On the complex.com article, it says his, his family status pronounced K I H hyphen N A Y hyphen G U H Kanega. <laughs> but, but just imagine being this dude <laughs> right like imagine being this dude you know, so i i'm i go to a lot of track races and a lot of them are international right and so you'll you'll have people you know i have a friend helen schlachtenhaufen and you hear people butcher that name all the time you got even like brandon dowdy can get butchered but imagine being the play but like the announcer and yeah. you get the sheet, and you're like, and you see like you're a white announcer, and you're like, you're like, wait, uh, what's this dude's? Uh, uh, I think uh, Noah, Noah gets the ball. <laughs> <laughs> like you yep. have to go with the first name on that one, boy. Think about the jersey on his back too. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, dang, you better make sure that thing has some good stitching on that K. <laughs> <laughs> When I was in high school, man, there was a dude, white dude also from like central Missouri. 
He was a very, he was a really good uh, athlete in high school um, named Nick Nigaman. And like what? we thought it, his name was Nick Nigaman. N-I-G-G-E-M-A-N. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> now, it's also kind of funny thinking like, man, I'm like, I wonder, like, I wonder when, when, where this name originated because that's not a name that came over from Europe. You know what I'm saying? That might that's, that yeah. might be the kind of name that someone you know, someone who might have owned some people, might have given to someone at a certain point. But we thought that was bad, and that at least has a whole men, and you know, it, I mean, it has nigga. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like we, it just has men in there. It's a full name. Just be <laughs> have, having just a little K, having just a K, which is something that sounds silent. Yeah. In a lot of like you're saying a lot like. That one will freak me like out. Like knife. Like the word knife. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Man, but you, you know something? I, I'm looking down on the rest of this feed. You got uh, you got RG3 posting about it. And he said that naysayer built the arc. So maybe it's pronounced naysayer. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. I <laughs> Look. But Who was the, it? The, 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 uh, the joke it on was... that, you know. It's yeah, an Alabama yeah, yeah. Alabama player it had a had a shirt that said uh and and, and his NIL deal said it, it was a uh, what what K let a naysayer know blank blank that's what it was blank blank yeah yeah and then Duke gets on the broadcast and says let a and this L A N C stands for let a naysayer know so everyone yeah. kind of wondered, nearly... you know, uh, everyone kind of knew what that was supposed to be. Was wondering what the broadcast was about to say there, and I think you probably get in a lot of situations like that with, uh, yep, w- with oh. Noah Kanesayer, as you might say. I, <laughs> I got a funny story for you that I remember from a couple of years ago. There was, uh, who was this? This was this mu- this was pre-COVID, so this must have been like 2018, 2019 kind of thing. There was a UFC fighter, uh. I, I Googled him just to make sure I knew his name. His name is Mike Perry, right? Mm. Um, Apparently, he got into, like, a bar fight. And, first of all, getting into a bar fight as a UFC fighter is crazy. But he That's got into crazy. a bar fight I wouldn't want in to. Texas. Yeah. Um, And the audio, like, I guess someone recorded the fight and put it out. And he was screaming the N-word over and over and over again. Oh, no. During this during this fight, right, while he was beating up on these people. And, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of alcohol, and he might not have been the person who swung first, but he was saying the N-word, and... (laughs) He wasn't the person who swung first, but he was the person who said the N-word first. (laughs) How do you think you... How do you think... He's also... He's he's a white dude, right? How do you think he justified using that word? Bro, like... I don't necessarily think people always justify it. I think it's the same way a lot of people justify it. People say, like, people say, oh, no, but he, you know. He does. I'm going to get to it in a second. He 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 put out, oh, like, Oh, he has a, a justification. Yeah, he had a justification oh, no. for why he used it. And I'm saying, oh, how, do you, how do you think he tried to explain it away? Um, I just learned that that's a word that meant people... It just meant it just is a word to refer to a person when you're angry. And so I'm angry and I'm beating this dude up. And so that's just what I learned. I just learned that's a word that you say when you're angry. <laughs> his his response was, I'm actually two percent black. He, he had a DNA test done a couple years earlier and he found out he was like 2% black. And That's he was crazy. like, so I can use this word. <laughs> oh my God. He's 2% black and he just thought that that made him a naysayer, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that brings up an interesting philosophical point, right? For example, you're 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 mixed as well, right? Like how at what percentage is like the cutoff at which because like that's the problem, right? There's there's there, it's all subjective, right? Obviously, like at like yeah, 
there, there, there are some people who will look at an African like me and be like, you're not black. You can't say this word. There might be different people who look, who look at someone who's mixed and be like, you're not 100% black. You can't say this word, right? There's no, there's no like objective line in the sand. And that lets this guy who's very clearly white just be like, <laughs> I'm 2% black, so I'm technically black. Like, sorry about that uh, interruption, guys. I was having some internet problems. But yeah, Jordan, can you tell us what is the line in the sand that you draw for you're black versus you're not black? It's, it's not for my black versus not black, right? It's, it's for who you, the question is who can say the M word, right? And it's somewhere yeah. between descendants of chattel slavery who have never, you know, intermarried, intermingled with a, a white person still living down in, uh, still living down in Mississippi or something, somewhere between them and obviously white dude who is very visibly white, there is a line. And so if you were on the other line of being obviously white, you should not say the N-word. <laughs> yeah, I think that's reasonable. All right. Well, I'm glad we, you know, we can end the show on a good note where we agree on something. Uh, thanks, yeah. everyone, for listening. Appreciate you all getting us to over 100 listens. Yes. He's super smart. I'm super fast. But the important thing is we're your friends read One Piece. So keep checking us out wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to have a Twitter one of these days. So you can follow us somewhere there. And, uh, you know, keep hollering at your boys. We help us get to a thousand. Uh, help us get to a thousand, thousand listens, so we can get some mics. Yeah. Five hundred. Abraham sits up straight, and maybe at you know three hundred, he'll he'll get some a new get some new Verizon files <laughs> in his house, and we won't have any more uh, drops. So appreciate you, everyone. <laughs> appreciate you all. Take it easy.